1: Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we are joined by Richard, who you may know from his work at uh, Yahoo Sport, also the Blue Moon podcast, and this very podcast, where he appears uh, fairly frequently. Uh, Richard, Manchester City, final day of the season, had to pick up a win to guarantee third, not have to deal with the whole play-in game. You succeeded in that venture. Um, Start of the season, you know, we're one of the teams. Pep Guardiola comes in, title favorites. Uh, How do you view your third place finish and and the path it took to get here?
2: Um, Well, ultimately, we have to be content with third place. There's not really a choice. We, We have to just accept it and get on with it. There is no doubt that compared to the start of season expectations that a third place finish is below par. Um, and it, it's not just that it's below par in terms of the position, but it's 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 way off the pace in terms of how long we've been out of the title race and how far off Chelsea and Tottenham we we ultimately were. Um, that was it, it's hard not to be disappointed by that because obviously Guardiola came in with a a hell of a lot of expectation. And with good good cause, this is a man who, prior to City, had won 21 trophies in seven seasons and managed two of Europe's biggest football clubs and created probably two of the best football teams ever. Um, Or, well, in Barca's case, had created, I think, the best club football side of all time. And in Bayern Munich's case, he evolved one of the best teams into something even better. Um, And so... It was hard, as a club who aren't on that stature, it was hard not to get carried away by the idea of becoming like that. Um, And the first 10 games of the season were, they weren't perfect, but we won the first 10 games, which is a huge achievement. And some of those games were phenomenal, uh, including, I would argue, um, and, and feel free to think that I'm getting carried away and this is a bit of um, bias uh, getting in the way of my thinking here but I think that the first half at Old Trafford when we beat United I would argue was the finest 45 minutes on display in the Premier League this season that's how good I thought City were um, and so that really sort of ignited things There was a that was obviously the first Mourinho and Guardiola clash which was massively hyped up um, it didn't take long after that for it to start to unravel a little bit. And when we were bad, we were atrocious. And the defending was um, was really horrific in, in the sort of defeats at Leicester and Everton. Uh, the Leicester game was probably the low point of Guardiola's career, I would say. Uh, the, the 4-2 defeat where we were 2-0 behind after four minutes and Vardy scored a hat-trick scored for 13 games prior or 16 games prior i forget i think it was one of the two Um it was it was an embarrassment it all ends up and possibly the only game in history where i've been annoyed that we scored two goals because they were right at the end and it allowed us to uh in the grand scheme of things you know when we look back on the record books that was it flatters us it, it deceived just how bad we were and we needed to know after that game how atrocious we'd been Um, but there was the, the, the nadir of the season obviously as we've gone on we've stuttered and started and at times it's been at times it's been absolutely fantastic there's, there's no denying that when we've clicked, like the the two games away to West Ham in the FA Cup and the league, sort of uh, in, in quick succession of each other, we were dominant and we saw exactly how good it can be. Um, as the season's progressed, we've seen Vincent Company back in, and we've seen that okay, the defence is still far from per- perfect, but at least it can be organised um, and it can have a bit of leadership, and that players like Otamendi who have been underwhelming a lot of the time can actually look like a respectable and decent center back next to next to a commanding leader and somebody who keeps him in check um, the the problem is that the bad form comes in pockets and this isn't a new thing this happened under under Pellegrini they were just bigger pockets um so we get these little runs where it's hard to really decide whether we've improved or not, because it might be, okay, we're, we've only lost one game in seven, but we've drawn the other five. And then you start trying to dissect, but are we performing better? Um, and Guardiola being Guardiola and being sort of the divisive figure that he is, um, in so much as people have their opinions about whether he suits the Premier League and is he, is he really always cracked up to be because he managed two teams that were already quite good. Um, and built his reputation on that like it causes a bit of an existential crisis among City fans to try and decide whether they're happy or not with what's going on because ultimately the performance isn't in a position basis isn't a whole lot better than it was the last two years under Pellegrini but the disappointments have come sort of in different ways there's, there's not the same sort of arrogance about it we're not refusing to adapt it's the trying to adapt that has caused the problems um, so strictly am i happy with third no because we should it felt like we should have been better but against the expectation and how good we were at the start of the season but then you look at the squad and it was never really going to be good enough to do exactly what guardiola wanted it to do um and we saw just how bad it can be at times then third place is actually it's probably about par for the squad but not for the manager and so it's, it's a really it's a it's a hard divide to try and work out how I feel about it so I guess I have to think more in terms of performances and and is the progress tactically and and all the rest of it and do I see a point where it gets better and I absolutely do and so that is I suppose what leads to the acceptance of third place and not being annoyed about it whilst acknowledging that it, it's certainly it has to be seen as below par.
1: Yeah, a part of that could probably be attributed to the fact that Aguero missed a significant amount of games this year. Uh, a lot of them through suspension instead of through injury, uh, as people may have expected. Uh, and there was stuff going on with him and Pep Guardiola, people saying he was definitely leaving. He's come out now and said that he's not um, pretty fully <laughs> that he was going to be staying. Uh, what's yeah. your view been of... Just what's been happening with Sergio Aguero this year? I mean, nobody can deny the talent. Obviously, probably the second most <laughs> impressive performance over the season is that Aguero still ended up. What did he end up on? Nineteen or twenty?
2: He ended up I... on twenty because he's joined the club now. He's one of only five players in Premier League history so to, was he to, it, Kane this year? Yeah, wow. yeah, he's only to do it to do it in three consecutive seasons.
1: Yeah, and Kane and Aguero both obviously ha- did it in far fewer minutes. Um, yeah. But but what have you thought of Aguero this season, and do you think it has any significant impact for the future?
2: Well, clearly, he didn't start the season as a, a typical Guardiola player, and Guardiola is, is absolutely ruthless if a player, regardless of their quality, doesn't fit exactly what he wants to do. If he doesn't see them as a team player, if they don't run the channels or they don't if they're not selfless. You know, he's he's very much about the team and not about the individual. And I'm I'm fine with that. Um I think that's the right way to be. But it would be—it it was a shame when it looked like that might be suffocating Aguero or might be costing him a place at City because he is a great striker. He's well on course to become our our top scorer of all time if he stays, which he, I, he will do. Now he'll probably have that chalked off by about October. Um, so goal scoring wise, there's there's absolutely no question that the quality is still there. He had a little dip around sort of December, January when he, he looked like he was struggling for confidence a little bit. Um, but his quality has never been in question. It's how it, how malleable he is, I guess, and, and how he can be shaped into Guardiola's team. And although at one point around February it looked like the worst thing for him, I think it might prove to be the case that the best thing that happens for Aguero in his City career is the arrival of Gabriel Jesus, because there is no doubt that after Jesus was brought in and Aguero was taken out of the team uh, to to accommodate that, there's no doubt that when Jesus then got injured and Aguero came back in, almost by default, that he was more of a rounded player, that he he seemed to have taken on board just what was earning Jesus, all the the lavish affections of his manager and the the public praise and everything. And I, I would guess that at times the way Guardiola spoke about Jesus was an indirect uh, way of speaking about Aguero, never as a criticism, but as an encouragement of like, this is how good you can be, but you've got to put the work in. And he is—he's become a a far more, in a short space of time, a far more rounded player, more of a a team player. And again, it's a hard one to actually define exactly what that means, because it's not that he wasn't hardworking or wasn't a team player before. But he's now a different kind of team player. The way that he makes his runs off the ball and sacrifices himself uh, for his team are certainly different to what he was doing before. He doesn't try and take everything on himself. He doesn't have to be the hero. Um, And if you were to ask me, is Aguero a better player now than he was at the start of the season? Then the, the only answer I could give would be yes. And I guess that... That, to me, probably says everything. And he's now playing with Jesus the last two games of the season against West Brom and, and Watford. They were uh, they were both fantastic. And he's got, you know, Watford, he should have had a hat-trick. He probably should have had four goals. Um, so the, the rewards are still there for him. It's not like he's sacrificing the glory completely or he's sacrificing this incredible goal tally that he has. Um, he's still going to be putting the ball in the net. And so... I think he'll stay, because I think Guardiola will have seen enough of him now to know, yes, he can play with Jesus. Yes, he can be the player that, that Guardiola needs him to be. Um, and he's still going to be the clinical Aguero that has become one of the world's best strikers.
1: Yeah, You mentioned uh, the partnership there with Jesus, um, which is has proven effective over the last month of the season here. But... Uh, confused as to what's supposed to happen next year because obviously you have Ihe Nacho, but it very much seems from everything that's been reported that he's on the way out. But if you're planning on using Jesus in Aguero, that leaves Nolito, I guess, as backup options. Is that something you can do heading into the season? Or could it be a case where Ijeanacho is exiting the door and holding it for somebody else who's coming in?
2: Um, well, just first of all, Nolito is almost uh, going. And we're probably going to lose big time on him as well. I mean, we only paid, in relative terms, like $13.8 But there's talk of him going to Spain for less than four. Wow. Um, yeah, and that seems like a... Is negredo we all over again? Uh, yes, but less spectacular. Like, he never hit the heights that Negredo did, so the fall-off wasn't as oh, yeah, big. But like the
1: first half season, he was on fire.
2: Yeah, that Negrado was... was. Neg- Negredo and Aguero in that first half of the season were the best strike partnership I've ever seen at City. Um, but, yeah, um, so Nolita will probably go. Ian Acho, I think, uh, will be out the door because he's not getting the chances. But I think it would be... sent. I'll say not getting the chances. That's obviously based on, on what Guardiola sees in training and he's not taking the chances that he's had this season. Although he, he still puts the ball in the net, the games do pass him by. There's no question about that. Uh, and, and Guardiola won't settle for a player whose only contribution is goals. Bizarre, though, that might seem for a striker, but it's just not the way our game is played. Um, So it does leave us in a a very interesting position that uh, Guardiola likes to play with one striker, but he can't keep Aguero and Jesus and do that. They're both going to need to play a lot of football um, because they're both good enough to, and they've both proved that they'll be effective in the Premier League doing that. But if he plays two strikers and doesn't have a backup, Like, if you play one striker, you can't have two backups, can you? Because the third one's going to have to be significantly less quality because you can only realistically rotate two. So you have to have an Alito or an Iheanacho, but then you need them to be good enough that if they're called upon, they can win you. Basically, they can be good enough to play in a team that wants to win the league and play in the Champions League. So it's a a really, really difficult balance to strike. And Guardiola's always done it previously with small squads, but... I think he's realising that he can't do that as well as he'd like to in the Premier League. Um, If we're going to play with two strikers, it's going to make it difficult to play with two wingers, which is going to be difficult for Sané and Sterling. Um, And we're being very, very heavily linked with Alexis Sanchez, uh, to the point that I think the interest is genuine, whether it'll come off or not, I don't know. But then, where do you fit him in without Aguero, Jesus, Sterling or Sané significantly losing out on game time? and making De Bruyne and Silver work and, and not having a, a massive effect further back where we're already really vulnerable on the counter so it, it's really hard to consider it just as what happens up front because what happens up front has such a, a knock-on effect on the, this really sort of finally or what should be and what will hopefully become this really sort of finely tuned strategy and, and tactical plan it's really hard to make it all fit together which is where Guardiola will earn his money because somebody's going to have to miss out if we sign another striker. And it's going to have to be somebody good who's going to almost undersell themselves for the, the sake of a team. And why you bring, how you convince somebody to come and join in with that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't but Agu- know. Aguero and Jesus have to play together if they're going to be as good as they have been towards the end of the season. Um, it, it's a question to me. It's a question at this point without an answer. You can only lay out what the issues are.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how you resolve that, um, especially as you could probably convince Ianacho for one more year to stay on as your third striker if you needed him.
0: Yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads.
1: Um all right uh I guess that kind of brings us into summer plans as we've already talked about the forward position. Um you also have some high profile players leaving, obviously Pablo Zabaleta uh from everything we're hearing West Ham seems likely. Uh for him, Clichy confirmed that he's leaving. Uh Yaya Touré I thought was also definitely leaving uh but in our little pre uh show chat you said maybe that's not the case.
2: Yeah, um, just first of all, on Zabaleta, um, that guy, I, I would love him. It would be hard to see him playing against City, but he I'm pretty sure he would be adored at West Ham. I, personally, I'd like to see him at Newcastle, because that is a fan base that would absolutely take to him um, as one of their own, I think. Um, but the send-off that he got at City was one of the most touching things I've, I've ever seen at a City game. And for one small... time it felt like all the stuff that goes with modern football and being the club we are these days it all dissipated and it was just back to being the fans and the club again and there being a proper bond between them and there's a weird atmosphere at the Etihad these days and I hope that that moment is something that City take on board and try and do something with obviously you can't have one of your idols leave um, every every week to try and create a good atmosphere but it it felt like the club and the fans were, were back together. Uh, I know that sounds really twee, but in a way that hasn't been the case in years. Um, and Zabaleta deserved every moment of that send off, but it is the right decision for him to leave, as it is with Clichy, who is he's been a good value signing for what we've got out of him, but he's not at the races anymore. Um, and then on, on Yaya, I, I would love him to stay. He's had a he's had a great season, considering everything that happened at the start where Pep refused to play him until there was an apology for the actions of his agent um, and his sort of rent-a-quote comments. Um, It's been great to see Yaya step in and still have that quality to quite often dictate the pace of a game from from quite a deep position and this sort of metronomic quality that he has and his intelligence, it's never gone. It's never disappeared. And so as, as long as his body holds up, then his brain's still going to work for him. Like his brain's still going to do. he's still going to read the game perfectly. He's one of the most intelligent players to have, one percent. One of the most intelligent midfielders to have ever played in the Premier League. So, with all that in mind, I think it's an absolute no-brainer that we have to offer him a year extension. And I think he'd accept at his age that a pay cut would come along with that. It's not going to dent his financial situation too often to take a pay cut to stay a year at a prestigious team and carry on playing in the Champions League. Um, and it just makes sense from City's point of view to have that experience around a guy who has done literally everything. I mean, he, the only thing he's not won is the World Cup. Like he's even won, you know, he's he got honours at international level with the the African Cup of Nations. He's won everything domestically that you could ever hope to win, uh, most of it multiple times. So, I don't see any benefit in letting him go I only I only see a downside there um there would have to be an acceptance though the, the one sticking point might be that he's not going to be starting every week but I'm sure he can I'm sure he must be able to live with that for staying at City where regardless of all the nonsense that's gone on with the IR in the past there is still a connection between player and fans um, and he worked his backside off this year to to get fit and to still play for the club when it looked like when the easy the easy thing for him to do would have been to just let it uh, let it all fritter away. And he didn't. So that's a great that's a great thing to have around the club and an inspiration I think to uh, to to any younger players or more inexperienced players, a, a great person for them to learn from. So I think City have to offer the contract, it's the only sensible thing for them to do and then it's in the IA's hands what happens from there.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it would be very interesting to see if Yaya did indeed stay. Obviously, he's huge for the club. And it would be cool if he got a Zabaleta-like send-off next season, if he does indeed stay, instead of just like this kind of up-in-the-air stuff. Um, But regardless, you will definitely be needing to add places that aren't just up front. Um, Arguments could be made basically throughout the defense, and even a potential player for my beloved Tottenham and Kyle Walker could be uh, bandied about. But what positions do you think you most need to strengthen?
2: The defence is the key one. I mean, like the the, the strike positions are debatable, but the defence needs a massive overhaul. Probably right back from the goalkeeper. Um, there is a bit of an argument to say that Bravo might be better in his second season and You know, uh, it maybe holds some water because he's obviously not a terrible, terrible goalkeeper. His career is too good for that. Um, But certainly it hasn't worked out with City. And personally, I'd be surprised if he stayed as number one. Um, But I think we will lose one of the goalkeepers because Caballero's out of contract anyway. Uh, I would imagine, uh, to me, Bravo's position does seem pretty untenable at City. I don't understand what would be in it for him to stay. He doesn't, you know, that he's not particularly well-liked by the fans. He gets hounded by the media. And not unjustifiably, that's just a comment on his performance, and that's, you know, that's what he has to deal with, because they've not been good enough. Um, But right back from the goalkeeper, we might be overhauling the, the entire defensive structure. So... Company is clearly still good enough, he's proven that, and he's played a run of games like he hasn't played in years at the end of the season, and there's no mental hangover from him, he doesn't pull out of extending himself, he doesn't pull out of challenges or anything like that, um, it's like he's never been away, which is quite remarkable, but you can't rely on that, because actually his history does show that he, he does get injured, so we're going to have to sign, we're going to have to try and sign a commanding centre-back who is good enough to play with company or to replace him. But if you have him with company, then that means that John Stones is missing out, who is still a phenomenally talented young player and we need to get our investments worth out of. Um, So we don't want to hold him back. But if company's still good enough to do it, we don't want him to be the player that misses out. So unless we revert to three at the back and pick up on that thread again, which we might well do. um, But there's potential for, once again, a very good player to to miss out. And I suppose that's, you know, boo-hoo, big club problems, I guess. Um, But... It's not really that ideal. You don't want to be losing good players when they're in great form. And that's potentially what we're running ourselves into. Uh, But if we go three at the back, I guess that would make sense of... We need to replace the full-backs anyway. So it would allow us to do that. If we go three at the back with two wing-backs, we could do that without it being too dramatic, I guess. It's just a a sort of natural evolution. And I think, and, and you may... Uh, feel free to offer a counter opinion if I'm talking nonsense, but I think Walker would probably fit. That. His ability oh, to, sure. yeah, his his ability to to get up the line. um he, He's, I think he's better defensively than what we've got, um because what we've got isn't isn't great. Like I said, we know Zabaleta's gone anyway, but um for all that I love him, his legs weren't there anymore, and he wasn't as good at the time in the tackles as he was, and and Sanya just he bowed out of the team pretty much completely and I assume will go so having Walker who's better defensively and can also get up the pitch and get a delivery and and link up with our creative players and play that game Um, it will make a hell of a difference I think we will need to do something similar on the left Um, there's lots of links. I think it's um, Mendy at Monaco we've been linked with and could make sense. Uh, we've been linked with Alexandro at Juventus and could make sense but if we are seriously interested in Benucci, we, like we were last summer, then you'd have to fancy that taking Benucci and Sandro is probably pretty unrealistic um, and it is obviously hard to decipher at this time here just how much of that is paper talk anyway. Uh, And then midfield, I would imagine we will go in for another defensive midfield type player because Fernando doesn't really get much of a lock-in and that's fine because I'd imagine he will end up maybe a mid-table Premier League side he's clearly got some Premier League quality about him but he's not really a good fit at City Um, Yaya may have a diminished role, we don't know what the future holds there yet Um, but a difficult one because then depending how we play like we need to be adaptable and we will have more than one formation to use um we're going to need to be really wary of the fact that we are susceptible to the counter attack now if company stays fit or we get a similar defender then the defensive organization should be better to deal with that but we still need a bit of screening in front of them so yeah i don't really envy guardiola with working out how to overhaul this squad because I think the the holes that it's got, yes, there's personnel out there to plug it, but making it work within the current system, with you know amongst the resources that we've already got, I, I don't think is particularly easy. Um, I think it throws up a a lot of questions, and we may start the season with more questions. The, the new season with with more questions than answers, which I suppose will be quite exciting to see what comes of it, but. There's, there's more than meets the eye, I think, to work on with the personnel.
1: Yeah, are you surprised that it got to this stage with some of these aging players for Manchester City? Like we all knew that this was coming, and there are still older players there, like Company, obviously, at the back end. If Yaya Toure stays, he'll he'll be another one. But I mean, we always just assumed that things like that would be addressed, and I suppose there have been things like Gabriel Jesus being brought in, John Stones, those are moves for the future. But are you surprised that some of these positions
2: were on the slate? Well, yeah, because the younger players that have come in weren't replacing older players. So, um, Jesus coming in, he's not replacing a veteran striker, is he? Or somebody who's on the way out. He's an additional young, yeah. an additional youthful attacking player. Same for Sané, same for Sterling, same for De Bruyne, who is, uh, okay, he's not a kid, but he's still got his best years in front of him. Um, So the the young players that have come in haven't addressed the ageing problem. They bring the average age down, of course, but they don't address the areas where age is an issue, which is primarily the defensive positions. We had four fullbacks in Kolarov, Clichy, Zavoleta and Sanya, who all signed contracts. Well, Sanya would have signed his contract when he was in his 30s already. Um, But the other three would have signed their last contracts pretty much when they were in the 20s, like late 20s and long-term contracts we knew when we did that you know i think i've said this before but age doesn't surprise anybody you know we all know exactly how old we're going to be at any given point in time don't we so (laughs) city city knew when they gave those contracts hmm well in five years time these guys that have signed contracts at 28 are going to be 33 like so how you failed to address that baffles me and We've just slept, slept walked into the sleepwalked into the problem, and the really annoying bit about it is the club that is most compar- comparable to City in the Premier League, and it's Like it's a tired comparison or it's an easy one, but it's Chelsea, like clearly for the the resources, for the way that they had to buy sort of really good players for a bit, but that wouldn't really kick them onto um, the elite step. But you had to sort of make do with that and and take the hit on their wages. We went through all that process. We went through those growing pains, but we didn't learn from them. Chelsea hit the ageing problem as well and they suffered for it. And we didn't look at that and think, hmm, this is going to happen to us at some point. And it has done. It has happened. And so for that reason, that's one of the things that really gets Guardiola off the hook this year for for not winning anything and for not really bedding his ideas in as quick as everybody wanted because he's been left a squad that wasn't ready for it. You're teaching. okay, yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Like He did it with Lam, He did it with Robin. But you can't. You can't do that before old dogs, I suppose, at the same time (laughs) and expect really effective results. So on that regard, I think the man who's got to be facing the the sternest questions in the summer review will be um, Cheeky Bergerstein, who's who's basically in charge of all that. And I think Guardiola has much more of a say over transfers than Pellegrini did, Uh, but still Bergerstein oversees a lot. And we... He hasn't done the job that he's there to do in terms of in in recruitment terms. I mean, we're we're in such a ludicrous position that actually one of our best options now um, is to try and stop Navas going back to Sevilla and accepting what appears to be a three-year offer from them, and getting him to sign a one-year contract extension to stay as a backup right back. Like that's a that's genuinely now something that doesn't actually sound all that terrible to me, and we shouldn't be in that. And I mean that with all respect to Navas. Navas works hard. He's actually better at the defensive side of the game than he gets credit for. But he will offer nothing in an attacking sense because he doesn't. And that's an attacking player. Um, and that's a, a really, it's a, I think it's a, its not a rumour. It's widely known that we've offered that contract. It's just, or that we're going to offer that contract at least. But where it ends up now, I don't know. But it's, it's not an ideal situation. And it's its all of our own doing. We've, we've nobody to blame but ourselves.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully
2: it improves
1: uh, in future because, as I mentioned, there are going to be some players hitting that peak uh, or hitting that age limit soon again. Um, One uh, thing on the keeper situation, uh, I really don't know what you're going to do next season. As you mentioned, Bravo not particularly good. Caballero uh, already, I guess technically he's now out of contract. I was going to say in the last year, but the season's over now. Um, Joe Hart seems like there's no way back for him what is the goal there
2: well <sighs> this is it's so hard to answer like succinctly or with just a straight clear cut like this should happen or that should happen like i fully back guardiola's um i hate the word but his philosophy and what he wants from a goalkeeper i i fully fully am in favor of that and so for that reason i accept why he moved joe hart on personally to me it shouldn't have been a priority it wouldn't have been a decision that i would have made but Guardiola's paid a lot of money and he makes big decisions and that's what we brought him in to do so we have to accept it when he does it we have to back them in in doing that um so, yeah, there is no way back for Hart because he's not what Pep needs. His distribution isn't good, and there was a hell of a lot of revisionism on that when the English press got so upset at a foreign manager bombing out England number one. Like they, Suddenly, they imagined that Joe Hart could pass a ball, and he can't. Uh, but he is a great shot stopper. He's a great goalkeeper. Um, but that isn't really Pep's priority. Like the, the two seem to be of equal status in his mind, being good with your feet and being a good goalkeeper, they're, they're, they're sort of equal. So Bravo is in the other direction, where he is good with his feet. He does give us more than Hart did. He does he reads the game well in that regard. Um, and at times, I'd suggest that when he's made mistakes along those lines, where his distribution hasn't been the best, then that has been because the defenders haven't quite been in, in tune with what he should be doing. But he goes so far the other way and doesn't stop shots. I mean he literally doesn't stop shots. if it's on target, it's probably a goal, and that's not necessarily because of his technical quality. I think that's more his confidence is absolutely shot to pieces um because this is a guy who has kept goal at the the very highest level to a good standard and so we ended up in this weird halfway house where Caballero, who's sort of the the medium point in or the midpoint in in both of those regards ended up being our best option. <laughs> In, and he's done all right, to be fair to him. He, he gave us some big moments. Um, you know, made, made some good saves uh, at key times in games that kept us clean sheets, and we definitely look better for him. But I don't know how you resolve it in the summer, other than just going throwing a load of money at a goalkeeper again. It seems the the only the only way. But I don't know. You can't go out and buy Manuel Neuer. You probably can't go out and buy Test again. So. Like, my, my my knowledge of ball-playing goalkeepers isn't enough to offer a satisfactory answer. I mean, we've been linked with everyone from Jordan Pickford and, and Jack Butland, uh, Butland, Butland to, uh, the is it pronounced Donnarumma, at AC Milan? Yeah. Um, clearly, highly talented, one would cost a hell of a lot of money, and if you can get him, then you've probably got your goalkeeper situation resolved for the next 15 years. But, but how realistic it is, I don't know. And how, if he's the right keeper for Pep, I, I don't know. It's, we're not, it's also hard to answer because nothing's cut and dry with Guardiola because he, he doesn't, like, I don't mean this in a, in a pretentious kind of way, but he doesn't see the game like most other coaches, does he? He's, mm. The way that he approaches it is, is quite different. And so he's very, very hard to second guess. So my answer is that I would expect at least one new goalkeeper, but what well, yeah. Who it'll be, I don't know. Where you start to unravel that that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see
1: how you address that as all these other things. Um, but if you had to make a far too early guess for 2017-18, <laughs> what do you think the objective will be? Obviously, we've talked before, like two or three years ago. I forget exactly how long it was, but like it clearly it was just Champions League. Like get out of the group stage. Whatever else is fine. It, it feels as a neutral like maybe it swung the other way, and like you just probably want to win the Premier League again.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's two answers to this, really. Um, from a club perspective and a fan perspective, like my personal perspective as a fan, they're uh, probably quite different because I will always. Always value the Premier League the highest because I think it's the biggest test of equality. It it tests you the most over the season. It gives you the most variety um, of difficulties that you have to overcome. Um, and you can win the Champions League without being the best team in it. You can't do that in the Premier League. So that will always be my personal priority um, for the club. It must be beginning to feel like a long time now since we've won the league. So our outlay and for the quality that's in the squad and that's now in the management team, uh, three years is really longer than we would have expected to go without winning the league when Chelsea have won it twice and Leicester have won it. you know, um, And obviously Spurs have, in that time, come up to be the best challenger in, in both seasons and will probably continue to be a very good challenger, our foot has really come off the pedal in that regard. So I think the Premier League has to be the bread and butter, that has to be the main aim and the aim has to be to win it, but we're always going to have this thing now, as long as Guardiola's manager, the aim goes beyond just winning trophies, doesn't it? And again, it sounds pretentious, but it is about winning it in a certain style. Guardiola wouldn't have been happy to win the league this year playing the way that Chelsea play. And that's not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just not what Guardiola does. So the two run side by side. The aim is to embed this style of play so that we are more of a Guardiola team. And so that this is a style of play that permeates the club for basically the rest of time. I mean, that's the ultimate aim to have this identity that sticks with us forever. While whilst winning trophies and that's not an easy thing to do um, the Champions League has to be better going out in the last 16 after making the semi-final last year wasn't acceptable uh, particularly having held uh, having held the lead that we did uh, over Monaco from being 5-3 up in the first leg uh, to to blow it over at their place was it was really really bad and one of the low points of the year um, so it I mean, it's progress on all fronts, isn't it? You always want to get further in every competition when you've not won any of them and you're capable of, in theory, winning any of them. Like The, the quality should be there to do that. Um, I guess a minimum target in the Champions League would be to get back to the semi-final stage and the, the Premier League, the only target. The, in, in terms of just outright where you're going to finish, the only target can be to win it.
1: All right, fair enough. Well, uh, we fortunately get a couple of months off, in theory, anyway. Um, but in the interim, where can folks find you? Uh,
2: so I am on Twitter, um, at Richard the Burns, where I may spend the summer still milking the fact that United finished sixth, um, as I tweet about <laughs> a lot. Um greatly enjoy that. Um, but I also talk about other stuff. <laughs> um, and I, kind of. write for... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sort of it's always there as the undercurrent, but sometimes other things stick the head above the parapet. Um, I, um, yeah, I write two articles for Yahoo Sport UK about City. Um, I do get a month off. Uh, after I've got one more article to do for that, but I will be back next season, Uh, or once pre-season starts, and I am part of the Blooming Podcast, who are on Twitter, at Blooming Podcast. We also have the summer off, but we are finishing our season uh, next week with a live show in front of a live audience in Manchester um, at Gulliver's Bar. If any of your English listeners wish to come along, we'd greatly appreciate that. It should be on Thursday, the 1st of June. Um, Yeah, that's, that's where I am.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on today and for your appearances all throughout the season. We've really appreciated it. And uh, best of luck next season.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.